Climbing the Pocket Network presents In the Huddle, talking Vikings, Cowboys, and the Panthers with the return of Teddy Bridgewater. All right, we are back. Almost a full crew. Nick's not here, but we got the man, hardest working person on Tuesdays in all of America, Dr. Eric Eager, back for another episode. My man, how you doing? How you been? You know, things are okay. Uh, Would have liked to see a better game Sunday, Um, but, uh, you know, we're moving forward. I always tell myself every single time this time this this time every week that somehow we made it to week 12 of the NFL season, which is crazy to think about. It is wild. And I lied. We won't get to him yet. We still don't know if he can hear us or not. Nick is here. So we'll see in a little bit how this goes. But first up, the proud owner of a maybe PS5, Miles. How I got you doing? It. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. We're we're living it now. I got it. Um, I'll get to pick it up on Sunday. So we're we're cooling now. There we go. But I don't, and, I don't, uh, get, to, I don't get to play till Christmas though. Oh no! Really? Yeah, it's a Christmas gift. The wife, man, she she makes the rules. Oh man, that's rough. Okay, well let's see. Like, well, we might take we might take some action at the end of the show to see if that PS Five actually stays wrapped up until <laughs> Christmas time or not. But now it's the moment wow. of truth. Let's see. Let us see if uh, if Nick can actually hear us. Nick Olson, are you here? Can you hear us? Will Brain you be joining fun. us live on today's program? Miles, if you wait till Christmas, that might uh that might actually give them enough time to make a good game Ooh. for that system. Damn, in the sky. <laughs> Hater, you're an Xbox guy, huh? Hater. Yeah, and there it is. So uh, we have Nick on Skype, but we do not have Nick on sound. So we will move on to the man. Do we have his music queued up? There it is. (laughs) Mr. Flip know, You know, I remember the, the question last week to end the podcast. Jay, Jay, you asked if the, the Vikings were the 10th best team <laughs> or the 18th best team in the NFL. I don't want to collect no. too many receipts, but. Isn't the answer just yes? <laughs> so, Eric, you weren't here, but we, we decided to test your numbers versus DVOA in a one-game sample size using the Vikings. Because going into last week, DVOA had the Vikings ranked 10th. Elo, PFF Elo had the Vikings ranked 18th. And we uh, did a quick rapid fire. And, uh, you know, maybe Flip Mozzie was the man who uh, correctly stated, we don't know which Vikings team is going to show up week over week. And that is why he couldn't rank them as a top 10 NFL team. Thank you. That. We had Dallas on the money line and against the spread last week you know, on our predictive model. Um, I think, again, because you can't – I mean, the Vikings are just such a fragile team, right? And they're – like, there's so many good things about them, but there are a number of things that keep me, again, from putting – but the hard part is, is, like, look at the entire NFC. I think any team in the NFC save – Philly, uh, Detroit. I'm trying to think of like all but like three teams in the NFC could beat all but the other three teams. Like you know what I'm saying? Like the Vikings could beat Tampa. You watch that team last night. The Vikings could beat Tampa for sure. They could also lose to Dallas with Andy Dalton. And we evident evidently. So like, it's really hard to to I I think some especially DBOA sort of like responds too sharply to the most immediate thing. That would be my statement on that. So Eric, I mean, you, you mentioned it. you, you had kind of your Dallas and your predictive modeling, help us understand what made you feel that way outside of our sentiments that you just can't trust the Vikings to do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. 
what analytically led you to the, the prediction that, you know, the Vikings were going to do what the Vikings often do to us in these situations when we expect them to, you know, really lock in the run and actually give us real hope as opposed to, like, you beat Detroit hope? Well, the I always say don't, you know, and I learned this from my friend Seren Petro, you don't coach a bet. Don't coach a prediction. Like, if I were in charge of the Vikings, they would be, I'm not going to say this, but like if the Vikings threw the ball as much as I wanted them to, they probably would win more games, you know, and the problem, and it's like with Tennessee, like, you know, I'm saying, you know, I think Tennessee has a chance to beat Indy this week, but if they run the ball as much as they want to on early downs, they can get buried right away. And so the Vikings have the raw materials to be the 10th best team in the NFL. I agree. I believe that with all my heart, but the, the problem is, is, you know, they played right into the last two defenses that faced them by giving the ball to Cook too many times. And they let the other team earn too much slack defensively um, by, by let, you know, pushing all of the chips onto late downs. And against the Bears, it was excellent because they were five for five for 102 yards throwing to Justin Jefferson. And against Dallas, it was just a little more noisy. And then you go to the other side of the ball. Dallas has three really good wide receivers and Minnesota has three really inexperienced defensive backs and almost no uh, pass rush. And you look at it worked against Chicago because Chicago couldn't figure out that on every third down, they were blitzing two or three guys up the a gap and they never had anything, you know, hot to Dallas's credit. They had hot things that they could throw to off of those blitzes. And it put the Vikings defense in a real bind. And, you know, unfortunately that's like what happened. I mean, they couldn't stop, you know, Dalton's not a bad quarterback, you know, especially if you put the three receivers in front of him. And unfortunately the Vikings like, you know, this, they struggle covering. I think most teams have struggled covering against that, that group too. When, when Dak was the quarterback, they were one of the highest scoring teams in the league. So it was bound to regress at least a little bit back to that. Yeah. I think the issue with me on that Vikings game is just, I wasn't surprised by any of it. I wasn't surprised by what the offense did. I wasn't surprised by what the defense did. Um, we got fans get so over their skis on a week to week basis without actually looking at quality of opponent and <laughs> peace. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Uh, just Chloe, like Chloe, Chloe wants to be a, wants to be a star. So, oh man, we got to get her on that AWS commercial. Is, is well, that, well, she'd be the first eager on a w, AWS commercial. <laughs> is that the quarterback or is that the the, the receiver that that's just trying to trying to be the He's star? The though, wide receiver. Really Chloe, come say hi. Okay. No, come on. No, no. no. okay. <laughs> no, budding star. Uh, but anyways, the point is, look, if your defense shuts down the Bears' offense, you get zero credit for that. That. That doesn't give you any that shouldn't give you any sense of confidence or any expectation that we can shut down the Cowboys offense just because we shut down the Bears offense. And so much of the season has been quality of opponent. Who did we actually beat? And you look at that and you're just not impressed by what the Vikings have done, maybe outside of the Packers game. The Vikings were never going to win six straight, you know. Never. It was just not going to happen. They're too variable. They're too inconsistent. They have too many uh, holes in on different parts of this team to make that happen. And the Sunday, it was the defensive secondary and the pass rush that reared its like, ugly head. Yeah, you touch on the, all that, all, all great points. Like Everybody was talking about, why are you guys being so negative? when the Vikings were three and three and five, four and five, well, we're like, they're still not 500 (laughs) and they're still in a situation where (laughs) they're still in a situation where they're not playing good teams. So like if you just flipped the, the Falcons and Packers game, I think the narrative would be a lot different than what we're seeing because they're still not beating. They beat one good team, but we've, what we've seen from the Packers is like most of the NFC teams in the, in the, most of the NFC teams that are near the top of the division uh, of the standings, they're all inconsistent. Nobody wants to take the reins and, and, and take over the, the, uh, the conference. Like nobody seems to want to do it. So when the Vikings beat the Packers, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like the Vikings on, on a, any given day could beat any team in the NFC, just like 
like Eric pointed out, most teams could beat any other team on any given week. Um, and again, back to Eric's point about throwing the football, we talked like we watched Monday night the the Rams beat the the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they ran the ball like ten times, and they have a quarterback in Jared Goff who's probably not as good as Kirk Cousins or on the same tier as Kirk Cousins. Like, why are they able to do those types of things against a team that's arguably just overall better than they are? Like, I would say the Tampa Bay Bucks are a better football team than the, the, the L.A. Rams. I mean, it's close. I mean, you can nitpick here and there, I think. Um, but I think as an overall roster, I would say Tampa Bay is probably better, in my opinion. Um, but the Rams went into that game thinking, knowing we can't run the football against this team, even though we want to. So let's just make sure we're we're using different ways to run the football, like quick screens. We do the motions like we do all the time with Robert Robert Woods and uh, Cooper Cup. That worked like a charm. That you know the quick screens, the the quick handoffs, the reverses, all that stuff. They they do it constantly. Um, that's where I would like to see the Vikings get more innovative. Is the fact that the run game isn't always going to work and it's not always going to be successful, and you're not always going to win football games. And when you can't win football games because you can't run the football. It tells you everything you need to know about your team. So, but that's not why they lost this last game. No, 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 and that—that's just the—that's the bigger picture. Looking back at the Dallas game, honestly, it was such an even game most of like most of the way. It was kind of like who was going to flinch first. That was kind of what happened. Like they both had turnovers. They both, you know, both made mistakes. The Vikings special teams unit is terrible. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> again, they're they're both similar. Like it's what's crazy is. They're more similar than they think they are. Um, then, like Vikings fans went into that game with their noses up against the, the Cowboys thinking we're way better than this team. And I, even I said they should route this team. And mm-hmm. you went and watched that game. That game was a lot more even from both sides of the football than you would have liked it to be from a Vikings perspective. The Vikings should have been a better team, but they weren't. And overall, like the Cowboys have probably slightly better weapons than the Vikings. It's pretty close. They're both – some you know some of the top weapons in the league when you look at the entire uh um top down from receivers tight ends running backs whatever what have you um but then the defensive side was the side that you didn't expect the cowboys to be the ones favoring over the vikings i thought the vikings were going to play a better sound defense than the cowboys but that wasn't the case the cowboys ended up when it counted the most playing the better defense so it it was one of those games and then we let we let zeke elliott have his first 100 yard game of the season <laughs> It's like first one hundred game, hundred yard game in what like a year and a half. Like, I mean, extra salt in the wound for Eric right there. Right, exactly. You know, Zeke Elliott showing up in the game against the Vikings. But there's a couple things that have popped up, and Flip, I feel like might have been alluding to one um, that gets thrown around a little bit. Is that part of the reason that we need to run the ball as much as we do? Is that our defense isn't good and our offensive line aren't good, and so we have to protect them. And I am curious if that's actually a thing. Like, but how bad? How guess, bad is the offensive line? Because I really, we we look at like the like I think it's it's not consistent. I think that's a big thing. But like Riley Reeves probably having a career year overall or close to it. You know, Brian O'Neill's been good. He's going to be a guy that they're going to pay fifteen plus million dollars a year to. Brad Berry's taking a step up. Like we know his pass blocking grade hasn't been anything to write home about, but he's he's progressed. Uh, They've been able to find success at right guard after the Drew Samia experiment ended. Um, and then Dakota Dozier is probably the worst offensive lineman on the team in terms of starters. But what, like, I, I'm just trying to find out, like, based off of what they run and what they do for their offense, how the offensive line is still this, like, major weakness. Well, maybe there's just something think, I'm missing. Yeah, I mean, it's not when they play from ahead, right? When they play, and I, and I don't mean like ahead on the scoreboard, I mean ahead. And so far as what they're trying to do as an offense, when they can run on early downs. Well, so when there's a credible threat of running the football, the offense is better. The offensive line is better. That doesn't mean that they and and frankly, if they are the 10th best team in the NFL and Dallas is the 25th best team in the NFL or 27th, they shouldn't be running the ball to protect anything. Like that's a you know, I think of like the basketball analogy, like you want to take as many shots as possible so that the thing that's supposed to happen happens more frequently. Um, and and that's the problem is, is the Vikings play like a team that isn't very good. Well, yeah. it, it, and, and so 
Yeah. And then the other issue, I talked about this earlier today, like they play a certain way the whole game. And then when they when they have to come from behind, they play they have to play an entirely different style of football. And maybe that's one of the reasons why people are like, why isn't Kirk Cousins clutch? Well, Kirk Cousins has never been in an offense where the predominant thing that they do is play out a shotgun and throw the football as the first thing. You know, you we watch um you know, that game on Sunday night and both the Raiders and Kansas City, that's how they want to play football. So at the end of the game, when the Raiders are coming back on the Chiefs, they're comfortable because that's how they play the game. And then even the biggest example is when Kansas City is coming back on Las Vegas, they're comfortable because that's how they want to play their games too. And with Kirk, it's like they play this like Matt Schaub, Sage Rosenfels, uh, you know, uh, broke-ass Peyton Manning at the end of his career offense like all game. And, you know, most of the time, like that works, right? Most of the time they're good enough. You know, Kirk makes plays and they're, they're good enough to like have a lead, especially last season. We saw it when they're playing the David Blouse and the Chase Daniels and the, and the Derek Carrs of the world. But then when they get caught, when they get stuck from behind, we saw it against Kansas city. We saw it against, you know, some of the other teams that they had to face San Francisco, you know, fish out of water in the playoffs. When they have to play left-handed like that, they look worse. And then we yeah. sort of say, well, Kirk's not clutch. Well, no, Kirk Kirk just doesn't play in an offense that is conducive to being clutch. And, and I think it's a little bit different than that. Like, Kirk played great the other day, but he played mm-hmm. a different ball game than he had to play at the end of the game. And unfortunately, because some things broke down around him, he wasn't able to overcome it. Yeah. And I actually – I don't think it's just Kirk. I think we need to really key on that point that – the Vikings offense wins on un- unpredictability uh, when they can be balanced and have the defense on their heels that they, they can move the ball and they can score points. But the second the defense knows that it's a run play, the run game gets shut down. And the second the defense knows that a pass game is coming, coming, that's when you see the guards get blown up. That's when you see Kirk Cousins struggling. So it's, it's, you look at other teams around the league when Pat Mahomes drops back to pass, everybody knows he's passing. It's not a surprise. And he still succeed of uh, the Titans. Even, even like everyone knows they want to run the ball down people's throats. They, the Titans still succeed when they're trying to run the ball. They, they just have the will and they exert that on opposing teams. But the Vikings, once that unpredictability is gone, I mean, Eric and I, and I think everyone here, you can tell how the Vikings are lined up sometimes, whether it's a run or a pass. Um, You can almost tell, you can start to see when that play action pass is coming. And they don't, they don't win your dress at all. No. And when you're down by, you're down by four with a minute 43 left, everybody knows that pass is coming. And that's when I've just never seen that magic of being able to say, here's what we want to do and you know, it's coming and we're just going to do it anyways. To answer so how, do flip, question, how do we fix it? Flip? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, we already named a podcast over what I would do, but um, <laughs> let me, you know, I, I think it's, it's just so weird how the entire thing has shifted from, issues with Kirk to issues with the defense. It's uh, I asked myself, how do I know, like, let's say I've got an old 20 year old car. How do I know that it's time to get a new car? It's, it's not when one thing goes wrong with the car. It's not when the headlights go out or it's not when I need a new battery or it's not when, you know, the radiator gets out. I can rip those things one-on-one, but over the course of three months, if all these three things are breaking on my car on a weekly basis, that's when you're just like, okay, I'm sick of trying to plug a hole here, plug a hole there. I just got to go buy a new car. And that's what the Minnesota Vikings team is. perfect trying to put a new new radio system into a a 1970s car, so that don't work. (laughs) It's a perfect perfect analogy to what's happening, though, because – like even if you think about so Jason's blessed because he lives in Canada, a far superior country to what we're living in. But like when you actually take when you take precautionary steps, when you think about the future, things cost less when bad things happen, right? Because you have a safety net, you have insurance, you have things that make that make sense, right? 
when you when you try when you live close to the edge like we kind of do as a country and things go badly every single thing that happens costs more yannick ngakwe costs a second when you don't take the time to actually develop young edge players um you know drew some like garrett bradbury costs a first round pick when you can't when you when you don't care to like you know, have a backup center that you 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 sort of rear the way that old Vikings teams did with Matt Burke and Je- Jeff Christie uh, and so and Joe Berger even so on and so forth. Um, things cost more when you don't have a plan. And the problem that I have sometimes with the Vikings is almost everything has cost more than it should because they didn't have a plan. Um, when you know, Quarter, and, quarterback and again, is special. Quarterback is special. Yeah, think yeah, about. And and look, it's not the Vikings' fault that Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. It was the Vikings' fault that their backup quarterback at the time was Sean Hill. Hill. That man, yeah, the yeah. quarterback that they actually had to play, cost them a first-round pick, like at the at the buzzer, right? Like that—that's planning. That's a pl- planning problem. Um, you know, all kinds of things like are just more expensive when you don't have a when you don't have a process and you don't have a plan. And while I think. You know, they're not as bad as some teams, obviously. Like, it shows up in situations like this, just like with Flip's car. Like, you could either spend two grand to repair every single thing on that car, or you can just buy a new car and get a warranty and, like, plan for, and, and go and get oil changes. And, and eventually that's a long-term positive play relative to what you're doing. So, this, Eric, I think this, that you've made, a, you've made the point. And you've talked about it. So, at this point, like – Earlier, it was about Kirk. I feel like in you know, one of the group messages, it might have been about Spielman, Zim, with the play style and like how we've chosen to go out. When we look at the Vikings now, do we think that they're optimizing to like win it big or lose more slowly? Like stability, when you hear stability, do you think of them trying to win it all? Or is it like folks are, and I can't blame, I'm never going to blame anyone for trying to keep their job. So like, that's not what this yeah. is, but does it feel like more that we are optimizing now to in like in games, like lose the game more slowly. Like, I don't want to go for it here because like, then the game might be out of hand sooner. So is that kind of what it feels like the Vikings are doing maybe from like a team building perspective or even how we choose to run our offense perspective or like, yeah, we should be taking more shots, but if we run it this way, the game might look good for a longer period of time. I mean, look at all the look at all the Vikings coaches that have gotten fired. Okay. Frazier got fired because they had a five, ten, and one season, and it was like one and seven, you know, right away, right? That he lost that a lot. He lost the locker room. That eyesore is unacceptable. Brad Childress got fired one year into his contract extension because they lost 33 to 3 against Green Bay. Like it's the in the Vikings experience. Getting blown the fuck out is the you know, Dennis Green got fired after they lost like thirty three to nothing against Jacksonville in 01. Like, like the the self preservation is to if for them is is if we win great, but the the thing that we don't want to do is get blown out in these games, or the thing that we don't want to do is have these big name signings completely fall flat. And unfortunately, what that yields is I think probably uh, decision-making that's suboptimal. Like we don't want the Dalvin Cook signing to look terrible. So let's get him a rushing title this year, right? Let's, let's lift that trophy so that we can go back to the Wilfs and say, your money was, I, I was a good steward of your money. Only one team wins a Super Bowl per year and chances are, it's not going to be us, but here's all these other things I got you. And Justin you know, unfortunately, Dalvin Cook. Yep. Yeah. Kirk, look, Kirk, Kirk threw for another 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. How bad could it be? How bad of a decision maker could I have been? It's a fill the seat strategy. Save our job strategy. Yeah. 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 I so look, look. The Vikings have been this good for a long time, and the fans probably want something else. Yeah. Well, look, and under so Bowl. under Zimmer, they're never they're never going to be atrocious. Like they're bad this year, but they're not obviously the Jets or like some of these other really bad football teams, the the Lions. They're not those teams, but they're always going to be like they might. This is where I talk about the inconsistency under Mike Zimmer. And it's not just Zimmer's fault, but Zimmer can't sustain repeatable, even playoff trips. It's been an every year thing under Mike Zimmer. And I know there's been various reasons why, but it's always an excuse of why they're 
why they're not consistently in the playoffs, but they're never four and 12, five and 11. They're always going to hover in that seven to eight to nine range, or they're going to have that season where they're winning 10, 11 games and going to the playoffs. But it's, but it's never going to be, you know, completely tear down bad. So Zimmer's at least put that baseline in. So people have that confidence that, well, at least we got next year. There's always the, it might not have worked this year, but we know it'll work next year because that's just what it, how it works. They're so good at retooling themselves to make a run. Yes, exactly. And making a run the following year that it flies by them the following year again, because they don't know how to sustain it. It's why, in my opinion, Brad Childress was a lot better than we gave him credit for, you know, and the reason being is that Childress took a team that was nine and seven, took a team that just had beaten the Packers in the playoffs and tore it down and built it his way. Now he failed, but ultimately he shot for the moon and, and I will never get, I will, you know, I'll never fault him for that. Right. Dennis green consistently changed the quarterback that the Vikings were playing with. He went to the playoffs with, you know, uh, Gannon, Salisbury, Moon, McMahon, Johnson, Cunningham, uh, Culpepper, Jeff George. He he wasn't afraid to like shoot for the moon, and he knew that if he had to, if he was going to win, he was going to have to beat San Francisco or Dallas or Green Bay. And and to me, that that's how you have to go about it. And you know, if you strike out, you're going to strike out. But like one out, of, you know, only one out of every 32 teams wins in the NFL. Uh, during the yeah. course uh, of the uh, of this season, and at least um, you know, at least take a shot at it. Eight and eight, like at this point, the Vikings have been really good for forty years. Like, it does, like, but they haven't gotten close, you know, other than a few years. And and you know, you really do want to see them actually like shoot for the moon a few times, as opposed to just try to get the ball on the green a little bit. Well, that's all they do, though. Is all they do is shoot for the moon one season here, well, one season there. That's how it always not, is. It's not even. It's just high floor, low ceiling. Look, look, Mike Zimmer is getting bailed the fuck out by Gary Kubiak this season because, <laughs> I, I, look, Jason, one of our first talks when it came to the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, we're back talking 2015, 2016 here, is how they needed to prioritize investment in offense since they have a defensive coach, prioritize investment in offense. And use your defensive coaching skills, his scheme skills, his teaching skills, his development skills to field a competent defensive team, even though he doesn't have all the pieces in place. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen that happen on other championship teams. We saw uh, Bill Belichick just, I mean, he'd win the Super Bowl and then he'd trade his best defender the next year. We saw... Alex Reed, an offensive guru, go to the playoffs multiple times with Alex Smith before he got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, You see what Kyle Shanahan did last year. His offense was better, significantly better, than an offense with Jimmy Garoppolo should be. So now in Minnesota, we have a defense that, yeah, sure, they're hurt. Sure, they've got some missing pieces. But they're supposed to have one of the best defensive coaches in the motherfucking league. And the fact that he can't give us, uh, I'm not, I'm not expecting a top five defense, but give me a, a fit the fifteenth best defense in the league, and we'd be cooking right now. We'd have a winning record. Give me a twelve to fifteen, an average defense with the offense we have, and Mike Zimmer can't even do that. So if Mike Zimmer can't do that, what is he doing? If he needs well, that's a first round cornerback, excuse why he gets he gets to pl- he gets to be here next year. And he that was bailed out also by, by Pat Shermer in 2017, um, who, you know, did masterful yes. work with yeah. a backup quarterback uh, for and, – and, you know, they lost Dalvin Cook as much as, you know, Dalvin, Dalvin certainly is better than Murray and, and, and McKinnon were, and they lost him in week four. They were two and two. And, and you know, that Monday night game in Chicago where Bradford, you could barely walk. I mean, that, that, team, was, mm-hmm. that team was not an NFC championship caliber team. And then they they hook Bradford. They put in Keenum. Keenum yeah. plays well. They win, you know, eleven of twelve or whatever, ten of ten of eleven down the stretch. Like he's he's been buoyed in many ways by you know some but, some pretty good performances by offenses and offensive coordinators. Right. And to your point, Flip, when the when the tables turned, you could almost never win 
with the number one defense and like the 15th best offense. That offense it's that they had with Keenum was like seventh, and that was almost good enough. You look at Kansas City last year, their defense was like 31st, 32nd in 2018. They get Spagnolo in there. They're, they get a couple better players, Frank Clark, Kyron Matthew. They get to like 15th on defense. And the bar when you have that kind of offense is one or two stops a game, really. Like one or two stops a game and the offense. That's all the Chiefs got the other night against the Raiders. Yeah. They got one fourth and one where they had to kick a field goal and one stop at the end of the half. And the rest of the game was basically like, let's end the game with the ball in Mahomes' hands. And like that's just a more sustainable way of winning. When you try to win with defense, it's like betting a 10-team parlay. And every one of those bets has to hit for you to be good. And in 2017 – Nine of those 10 bets hit, right? The the 10th bet was beating Nick Foles right. in Philadelphia uh, on the road, and they couldn't do and it. And they almost and you got out the teams. same thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars and, the same year. They almost did the exact same thing. And unfortunately, the, the Vikings are probably winning seven of 10 of those bets in 18, probably seven of 10 of those bets in 19. And then this year, they're like two and eight. But, but the result but, is still yeah. the same. But my point is like Mike Zimmer hasn't even built a good defense here. I mean, any 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 NFL team, any NFL franchise can build the defense we've had if they're going to draft a cornerback every other year and draft a linebacker, two linebackers in the first and second round. They've only developed along the defensive line. They had to, you know, sign oh, Linball Joseph there to a big deal. Wise. Okay, resource wise. Resource wise. When you said he didn't build a he didn't build a good defense, I was like, hold up. But now, now that you they just threw it, money at all, Mike Zimmer sure, yeah. did is come here and say we need to spend on defense, and that's the only reason our defense was good. Because here, here's what happens when the resources aren't there. He hasn't been able to coach up to what we thought his ability was, which is just another reason why he's got to go. Yeah, I mean, there it's mixed at, at best, right? Because yeah. Frazier drafted Harrison Smith, Frazier Andrew drafted Sharif Floyd, Frazier drafted uh, Rhodes, and the 2015 draft was under. Uh, I mean, the, the highest drafted corner in the history of the Vikings franchise is Trey Waynes, you know, and he ended up an average player on the, on the Vikings. The, the, the corners that they actually like, drafted him that core draft. Yeah, and, and he was the worst pick of that draft, right? And then, you know, then they had Kendricks, and then they had, you know, but they've also been bailed out by luck, and they're no different than any other team. We're not picking on the Vikings. This is the same shit that happens every team. The the Packers, this is why the Packers have only won one Super Bowl during the Rodgers era. They thought that they could outdraft everybody early, and they got cocky, and then now look at Rodgers is throwing to Marquez Valdez-Scantling when the game's on the line. Like, it's the same stuff that happens every team. When you get lucky in those drafts, when you hit on Diggs, when you hit on uh, Hunter, Kendricks, uh, you know, all those players in the same draft, you got to cash in. And the problem is when you consistently slough off at the quarterback position or the offensive coordinator position or you you leave those things to chance, unfortunately, like it, it's just a lot harder. It's not impossible. Yeah, it, it's just harder. And, you know, the, the, the issue that I have is maybe when the Vikings think about, OK, Thinking about Kirk, I said this in the chat the other day. Kirk was Kirk when they married Kirk. It was for stability, right? It was for his in, you know his steady steady income. Uh, you know, no, you know, he's not going to run around on you, all that kind of stuff, right? But now the Vikings have lost their defense. They've lost. They're in a midlife crisis, and unfortunately, Kirk wants to go to church every Sunday at ten o'clock in the morning instead of you know doing all the fun things you want to do, right? And like that's. You know, that that's really the issue is Kirk. Kirk was the perfect quarterback if all the assumptions about 2018 could carry to 18, 19, 20. They just can't. And unfortunately, yeah. that leaves them where, with an issue with Kirk is is meeting a certain expectation that's different than the, the assumptions that we're living yeah. in now. Well, and that's what happens I'm, when you have a defensive, a defensive head coach, too, is to your point. They brought in Kirk because they said we need stability at quarterback. But what they didn't understand is we don't have stability on on the at the offensive coordinator position. We lost Pat Shermer, who earned the opportunity to be a head coach in New York from his 2017 performance. And then you go and get John D. Flippo because he's the hot new head. He's the hot new, you know, next next one in, next one up, which obviously didn't happen. Um, and then they get Kevin Stefanski, who becomes the next hot head coach in waiting. So 
again, when you have a defensive-minded head coach and you, you lose this stability on offense because you want your, your, your head coach to be so focused on defense, that offense becomes lesser, a less of a priority. Gary Kubiak helps you because you, he's less likely to go, go get a head coaching well, position. Well, they finally made offense a priority this year. Right. And that's, right. Why, that's why it's all so frustrating. Well, and so yeah. I want to hit on – so David asked a quick question or made, made the mention talent levels do exist. The coach just can't make anybody a star. Nobody's asking Zimmer to make a majority of his defense stars. We're asking him to make competent players into average players and some of the average players into, you know, higher level, above average, and in some cases elite level yeah. players. Like Xavier Rhodes obviously is playing really well this year for Indianapolis, but overall Xavier Rhodes was helped made an elite player – one or two seasons in Minnesota, but like you, that's taking an above average, average player to an elite level player. Harrison Smith is Harrison Smith. He was always going to be an elite level player. I don't think it mattered what the coach was going to do. I think the, it mattered. I'm not saying it You're doesn't even matter. Talking like, too high miles. Sure. Sorry, it, but like, like, but that, no, that's, that's right. Like the, who's like, the best did, day three pick. Who's the best day three defender of the Mike Zimmer era? Well, I mean, on the defense Jamar currently, Stephen. Eric Wilson and Jamar Anthony Stephen. Harris. Are, yeah. Anthony Harris. But, Anthony Harris is a good one. Yeah. And, that's and Anthony, 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 Harris, Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson are really good football players for this yeah. team. But look who they're playing and, with. But look who they're playing with. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah. Like Anderson Dejo. Anderson Dejo was the 11th rated safety in Pro Football yeah. Focus in 2017. Look who yeah. the hell he's playing next to. He's playing the next next to the best fucking safety in the league. Who did? Right. Who could literally tell him, yeah. "Dude, just don't fuck up, and we'll be fine." And that's all he had. It was to a do. bar that it was a bar that Robert Blandon couldn't reach, by the way. But it was, right, but, yeah. So it took a level of confidence that, like, you know, it took a level of like George Iloka couldn't do it. But like, the I agree. Like, so the the hard part is is is, and. Look, I I said this a long time. Like the fact that they went in this year and said we're going to draft 15 guys and we're going to draft them at premium positions: Cleveland, Dantzler, Gladney, Jefferson, Die. All are I, I, they're all like Wanham has been fine. You know they they've made a bunch of good picks this year. The expectation the the problem was is the expectations for them were so much were too were too high, right? Like the expectation, you look at the NFC North. I don't the think Vikings they were. Are, have the best outlook in the entire division. Yeah, I, I just don't think they were. I'm talking like give me the 18th best defense in the NFL. I can't even ask for that. Like they're 27th <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. But the, the schedule the is so hard though. The NFL is the the right. The NFL though is extremely small sample and extremely dependent upon opponent, right? Like you knew, like, look, week one, Green Bay. Green Bay's fighting for the one seed. I know they're not perfect, but they're a good team. Indy is probably going to win the AFC South. Uh, Tennessee is going to win the AFC South if Indy doesn't win the AFC South. So so three the, the first three games of the year, you're facing teams that are as good, if not better than you. And so 0-3 better was coaching. always the possibility. Houston has a top three football player in the entire NFL on the team. And you managed to beat him. You managed to stop his rally. And then week five, you have a top two player in the NFL against you on the road when you've never won since Brad Johnson was the quarterback. And then, and then Matt Ryan's on your schedule too. And he's a former MVP. Like this, this thing was, they were, they were going to struggle this year. Yeah, I think in many ways because of the the the, the path that was charted for them. Right, but they and don't get a path for that. So so turn turn the corner. But yeah, yeah exactly. The they don't they don't they don't get a pass. Well, for being just year have, seven I mean, of Mike Zimmer. I don't know. Well, I mean, what wasn't the bright solution though? Just to have the proper expectations. Don't trade for Yannick Ngakwe. Like, what is the like what is the value of a win? Out of those five games I just talked about, what was what would have been the value of winning one or two more of them? In the long run right now. I, I mean, I think the no-show in the first two weeks speaks volumes right now. They could at least be 500 or at least, or yeah. maybe even be 6-4. and four. And I think uh, if they had the 18th best defense <laughs> in the league right now, they'd be 6-4. and four. Like, We were that, always... What does that matter? What does that actually matter, though? Like 6-4? and four, Like, based I, on what, I, what you've I, been saying, though. 
Like we're other a, we're than giving us like some optimism, but if they're still not very good, but they just have a couple things swing their way for the long term, like let's say playoffs and like actual long term success in this season or seasons beyond, like what does it actually mean? Like if we had the fifteenth best defense in the league right now, with how the offensive pl- is playing, we're probably up in the the we're talking. We're yeah, teams, we're talking yeah. contention. We're, we're the point in that the NFC is extremely flat, and other than New Orleans, yeah. who the Vikings have matched up well with, how I is New Orleans the, so good? I don't understand. That team I, is so I, weird I to me. Here's the thing: do you know their, who their backup defensive backs are? Yeah, PJ Williams, Patrick Robinson. Uh, Who's a starting Patrick. caliber defense? Patrick Robinson would start for the Vikings. DJ Swearinger is a backup safety for them. He'd start for the Vikings, maybe. I, oh, the Vikings are good at safety. They have Ken Crawley, who'd start for the Vikings. They're backups, like they're anti fragile. Like this was the year to be anti fragile and have two starting, two secondaries worth of starting players. That's what they have. And then you look at their defensive line. They got some like, they got some like Martin Harrison looking dude has 10 sacks for them. Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. And he's like, yeah. That and he has like, no, yeah, I know. Trey Hendrickson was good. Marcus Davenport, who they gave up a haul for has graded really well. Cameron Jordan's Jordan's a man, right? They, uh, they have good football yeah. and Demario Davis. I mean, I don't, I think Demario Davis is probably on the same plane as Kendrick's is as far as linebackers. Like that defense is good. And, you know, Breeze is always a slow starter, but by the time they got – like Michael Thomas was three yards of separation on every single side of him the other day. It, Taysom could – all he had to do was throw the ball in the ocean to get the guys, you know, to get completions, and to his credit, he did. And now, like – and their offensive line's good. Like, they're good everywhere. Aside from New Orleans, though, I don't think the Vikings are seven-point underdogs or more against any other playoff team in the NFC. They went to Green Bay and were only – Five and a half yeah, point dogs. Even the the the, the Bucks, they do not match up well against the Bucks because they can't run the football against the Bucks, and they're not going to go yeah, into that game. Like that. The, they're not going to go into that game like the LA Rams did on Monday and say we're going to prioritize the pass and run only when we feel we need to. Yeah, but they're it, not gonna it's also I, it, it's also like I the Belichick approach, where even if you know, even if you don't want to talk about playoffs, Jason, if you even if you don't want to set false expectations. If we have a competent defense right now, another thing you would avoid is all this bullshit talk about needing to go out into 2021 draft and add some more defenders. Like, fuck that plan. Coach them up, Zim. And you don't get like one year to fail and then get more resources. And that's not that's not proof that you need more resources. That's proof that you're going to mess up, mess it up no matter how many resources you get. And this was the litmus te- litmus litmus test for Zim, in my opinion, because they really told Zimmer. I don't know. I don't know what those conversations were in Minnesota, but they obviously didn't bring in any veteran cornerbacks. They said we're yeah. going to only focus on the young guys, the draft picks, and Mike Hughes and Holton Hill and uh, Chris Boyd. They said those are going to be the guys we're going to rally around, and then we're going to make sure that we have some veteran spots everywhere else. And it's clearly not working at the cornerback position overall. I still think Gladney has a, a bright future. I still think there's something there. Yeah. You know, there's some guys that I think in the future, there's something there. But the idea that they said, hey, Zim, my assumption is they went to Zim and said, hey, we're just going to need you to coach him up. We don't have the money yeah. to pay even Mac, Mac, you know, a Mackenzie Alexander $4 million to come Logan back. Logan Ryan was on the street and, until and, right and, before And that was the name I was Look, saying for weeks that they should have right. just said, hey, we got a few million bucks. Come on in. But, well, we can give him yeah. we can give him two million bucks for a corner this year. But and look, I expected the cornerbacks to, you know, have have issues going into That's the twenty twenty season. A position to say, but, question mark. But the idea is, you know, get better, take your lumps, turn the corner, and show improvement over the sixteen game schedule. Y'all, it's week twelve. And there is no corner being turned. And you look at Arif Hassan wrote a great article of the defensive breakdowns on the athletic. Basically, Mike Zimmer went into this game. He left the Bears game. He says, okay, my defense is making improvement. And he ramped up the complexity of the coverages that they tried to run against the Cowboys. And look what happened. There were missed coverages. There were missed coverages on that long uh, Amari Cooper play down to the one yard line right before halftime. Dalton Schultz wide open on the game-winning touchdown. So 
it's a it's a Mike Zimmer scheme thing here too, where he doesn't know the capabilities of the youngsters that he's worked with for four months now. He's not coaching them up. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is maybe their internally their their internal belief is this season's a lost cause, and I'm get, we're, win lose or draw. We're going to play our style of play, very similar to how Childers treated Rad Johnson back in the day. Um, you know, yeah. instead of making the offense easier for him. He made he just ran his offense and 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 evaluated the other players around him, but you know the and the Nagakwe trade sort of indicates that at least internally there is somewhat of a give up on the season. the The question becomes though, I think, if Kirk Cousins is going to be the long term quarterback of this team, the assumption has to be what the assumption has to be that he's the quarterback that you can win with if the rest of the team is is made. So. If you're the Vikings, how do, you, how do you make the rest of the, the team? Well, not only that, but like you already you you've sort of already made that bed. There's almost nothing you can do in the 2021 draft, the 2022 draft to to have the team. Because right? we're talking about the 2016, 2017 Vikings. The superstars on that team were drafted in 2012, 2013, 20, and some of them were taken in 15. The, the 2016 draft contributed nothing to the Vikings in 16 and 17 and like chances are the 2021 draft unless it's a quarterback is not really going to contribute that greatly to the 2021 and 2022 team so the question is and this is really the question the vikings have to answer is if you're going to go into the future with kirk cousins you you're basically making a bet that the 15 players you drafted in in 20 the guys you drafted in 19 18 17 those guys are the team you want to think that you're going to the super bowl with and I think for almost every team in the NFL, the answer to that question is no, just based on pure math, pure numbers, pure sheer how many players work out in those drafts. So then so then the I think the solution, obviously, is to go back to the drawing board and say, look, I don't even need all these picks to work out if I have a young, brilliant quarterback. And, and, and that's and that's kind of what they have to do. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to be how they view it. Long term, it, it never, it never is. They don't work that way. No, like they, they're they're like shit. It's time for a bit of short term thinking because you know we spent the majority of the show talking about how terrible things were. Flip probably lost a bit of money. My childhood best friend found me on Facebook to talk y'all, shit about y'all the game right before I the game started, and then we lost I the game. I but could not get a Cowboys fan. Oh, so go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you go. Oh, no. You you can tell us about how much money you lost after. I, after, after I, I could not get a Cowboys fan <laughs> to bet me on the game going into it. So I literally I had to wait until halftime until the Cowboys were up by what? Nine. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then we made a bet for 50 bucks. So I lost 50 bucks, but it got me off my couch at least. Got, oh, got the. Go got the text flowing again. That was such a weird game because I feel like half the time Zimmer's favored by a touchdown at home. He blows that team out. I think of like Miami in 2018 and, you know, uh, anytime they play Detroit at home or something. But then there was always that little bit of you. In fact, there was a ton of money on Dallas last week. They were favored. They were underdogs by nine and a half. And by the time the game ended, they closed at seven, just a flat seven. And uh, ultimately that was the sharp side. But it, 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 Zimmer as a favorite at home is just a really tough beat. And, you know, it's good on Dallas. I mean, you, you chop watermelons long enough, sometimes it works out. <laughs> is is home field even a thing anymore, Eric? Is that still a thing? Yo, I love – dude, yo, these people are going off on Zim in the comments. I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, home, field is, home field is probably worth a point. Okay. It used to be worth like two and a half, three, depending upon where. Like the, the – um, U.S. Bank stadiums were three and a half points prior to this year. Okay. And what is Seattle? Seattle's got to be up there too. Like three and a half. Yeah. U.S. Like the Vikings have been very good at U.S. Bank Stadium. I know the high-profile yeah. losses, the Bears' loss and stuff, are all, but like they've been very good not only at winning at home but covering the spread at home. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the next one. And is this going to be the one that truly put? into the coffin of the season the panthers oh, oh there, there he is, is. There, oh, he is. Oh, there he is 
He's coming back. Zimmer's, Zimmer's long lost son is coming back to face the team that said, hey, you know, we don't want you anymore. We want to go with the safer option. We're going to go bring the guy in. We're going to let you go test the waters. Eric, we'll start with you. Carolina's winning. What are your thoughts? How how is this one going to go? If Teddy's healthy, they're winning. I mean, Teddy has been unbelievable. Look, he does have his 14 touchdowns. He's stuck at 13. I think he crosses the 15 (laughs) touchdown threshold just to stick it to the Vikings fans that hated on him. Uh, But, no, I mean, Teddy's averaging 7.7 yards per pass attempt. He's completing 72% of his passes. Uh, He does have more interceptions than normal, but, like, He's, he's just more. been really – yeah, I mean, he's he he only threw two last year in five starts. I think he had that many. He's thrown two interceptions in multiple games um, this year. Um, he looks like he's that would be more my only, but, Yeah, yeah, they're behind more, of course. He's This is the first yeah, bad it. team he's played on. Um, but he's he's just – I mean, the Kansas City game, I, I go back and watch that. Teddy was just an absolute monster in that game. And – like the dive he had for, I mean, I, I could talk forever about Bridgewater, but like he's legitimately good. And I think um, the really difficult part in this game is unlike some of the teams they face this year, the Panthers are going to squeeze all of the juice out of the orange. They do it every single game. They fake punt. Um, their kicker can hit it, hit it from 60. Uh, they go for fourth downs. Uh, Teddy runs the ball. And when he does, he does it with purpose. I think he's one of the best scramblers in the league now again. Um, and when you look at that, their wide receivers, Samuel Moore and Robbie Anderson, are probably the best trio of receivers in the entire league, save Tampa. Um, so it's just, it's like the Vikings are going to have to score to win this game. Uh, uh, full stop. I love Curtis Samuel, man. I was a fan of his coming out of college. Um, no, I think that's such a great point. We, so we have not shown of- any. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'll let you talk. <laughs> no, no. We just, have, though. We, they like- show Bridgewater. Bridgewater is a Viking still. He's an honorary. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, just like uh, the Dallas Cowboys, though, the the Panthers have good weapons. And how are you going to – what are you – what are the Vikings going to do to stop those weapons? They struggled to do it on Sunday against Dallas. There you go, Flip. There it is. (laughs) There's the the team to to stop the the Panthers. If Christian McCaffrey's back, what are they going to do to stop him in the pass game? Like Kendrick's, Kendrick's probably, he's the only one I, like him and Harrison are the ones you have like true confidence in. But like, what, Robbie Anderson's proven like he's more, he's not just like a flash in the pan deep threat. Robbie Anderson's proven this year he's, he's a do it all type of receiver. DJ Moore's the guy, you get the ball in his hands, that dude's, you know, could take it to the house anytime. Curtis Samuel's the do it all gadget guy in that team. He could do a and little Mike bit of Davis everything. Mike Davis is a damn good running back. And Mike Davis can do a little bit of things too. So, like, what are the what's the defense going to do against these guys? Jonathan Stewart looking. <laughs> Flip's loving this. Um, what are the Vikings going to do against this offense? PJ Walker even could still be a threat to this defense because he can move. And he's, he's not a statue in every the time. And he's throwing it's, deep every time. Yeah. And he's throwing, he just says, "Fuck it, hey, <laughs> like, hey, man." Hey, this is my, this is my one chance. I'm going out like it's the XFL, exactly. baby. Hey, his his yeah. mama his mama dreamed it a couple years ago, so he had to make her proud. He had to do it. Uh, but I look, the Vikings can win this game if they score. If they try yeah. to slow this game down a little bit, and they and they give the Panthers defense too much, because uh, the Panthers defense isn't good. It's like Dallas bad, right? But the problem is, is if you if you give those teams. Early, if you if you dump early down plays against those teams, then you give them a shot to get lucky on third down. And except for Matt you know, Stafford, that, who couldn't who couldn't fucking help me in my fantasy, but that's neither right, here nor right. there either. <laughs> but but you know, without Galladay, that's a different team, right? Like the the weapons are nowhere near as good. They got Muhammad oh. Sanu better than zero <laughs> points. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So flip. I need you to tell me as we start to wind this thing down. How do you how do you see this one going? What are your thoughts on how this game plays out? Uh, do the Vikings bounce back? Because it does seem that the Vikings enjoy under Mike Zimmer. Like Zimmer does seem to coach you no know, better. I don't know if his message, like the underdog thing, seems to play 
more to who Zimmer is than like the expectations of like the team that's being hunted. Do you think that we have a, a bounce back game from the Vikings? You know, if people are writing them off after losing to a not so good Dallas team. I think the Vikings will play better just on that narrative. Like you said, underdog mentality, uh, you know, everyone's writing them off. That's typically when they bring everybody back. I mean, it's not out of the question that the Vikings beat Carolina, beat Jacksonville, and we're back at six and six, six and six and having this stupid old conversation all over again. But I, if Teddy is really an honorary Viking, he's going to team up with Matt rule. He's going to team up with Joe Brady and uh, give the Vikings the route that they need that catastrophic loss that Eric was referring to, to make it clear that things need to change in Minnesota. All right, Miles. What are your thoughts? How you think this one's gonna go? Flips, you know, really flips feeling like Teddy might come back and 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 you know give us what Flip has been calling for for a little bit and let's fire everybody. With do you see this game going that way, or do you feel like this is a get right game for Minnesota? No, it's it's so weird because the Vikings usually are the type of team that they they usually. When they underperform, they usually do a good job of bouncing back because Zimmer's really good at playing the underdog role. Zimmer loves the uh, underdog role. He, I've never seen a coach want yeah. to be the underdog more than Zimmer. I, I like, I don't understand it. He just he loves the like when people doubt me type of mentality. So I expect there to be some of that. Like Zimmer, I'm going to bring it all. I'm going to make sure that you know we're going to run up that score. I think the Vikings. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings beat this team by, you know, two scores. Um, I, I think their their offense is good enough to do it. Um, it's just all about where I think the de- – can the defense, like to Eric's point, can the defense get one or two stops against Teddy or PJ uh, and that offense? We'll see. But they've been give, giving up – what? how many points do they give up a game right now? Like 25? I don't know the number. I, I haven't looked. The Vikings? Yeah. 27, uh, 28, 26. There it is. 28. 20, yeah, 25 points. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, it's not good. So, I mean, you can expect them to, to, to give up at least 24 plus points. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this yeah, team is just so unpredictable. Like, the, the Panthers aren't a great team. They're not a bottom dweller team, but they're not a, you know, they're like, they're like the Vikings in that way. They're both like this, like, we're not atrocious, but we're not great. Um, we have our, our our moments where we can look really good, and we have also have our moments where it's like, wow, like that team should just burn it all down. Like, who's just who's gonna flinch first? Is I guess the question. And if I had to bet between Teddy and Kirk, who flinches first? You know what? <laughs> who I'm taking? Ooh, okay. If, if the, there it is. If the defense doesn't break, something else will. So, but. Zimmer is a great underdog coach, except for when his team is four and five and has a 30% chance of making the playoffs. Then he's not such a good underdog coach, apparently. <laughs> Expectation slip. Expectation. <laughs> yeah, that 500 messed him up. Well, all right. Mission y'all. failed. Mission failed. We did not get to mission 500. We failed, everybody. Uh, we'll be back. We will try to do this thing again. And who knows? Like Flip said, we'll win a couple in a row and be right back here again after wins against, you know, Theodore potentially, Jake Luton. Is he still starting for Jacksonville? Oh shit. Or or will 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 the mustache be back to uh to to put us out of our misery? And man, we really had we really had this the Vikings Thank really had on the comment. Out, the Vikings really lucked out on the schedule and they still fucked it up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we bro. really did. Man. We really did. Like like it went from a murderous row of quarterbacks yeah. to like, oh wow, like this is set up for you to make a run. And we were like, nah. Nah. <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> we're good. Let's lose to Andy Dalton at, at home. And a shitty Falcon oh. team. Oh my God. Big red right. in those ugly ass jerseys. <laughs> Anywho, gentlemen, as always, thanks for sticking with, with us. Vikings, Jerome, and everybody out there in the comments. Thanks Thank for, you all uh, the comments, for man. With us. Thanks for watching, Dave. I know you're back there in the in the in the truck. 
fuming that folks are out here talking bad about your man, Mike Zimmer. But, you know, you'll have your show where you can come and defend him in a couple of days. So it'll be all right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. We'll be back talking to y'all next week. Have a good one. Skull Vikes. Later Happy music, Thanksgiving, man. everyone. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Roll, everybody.